I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. This is episode number 10. They didn't say they didn't think we were going to do it, but we got to double digits. I don't know who they are, but I know they're out there. All those daughters, man. Daughters. I thought you said daughters. I was like, Jesus, Jake, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. Uh, this That was Jake that you heard, that I misheard. This is me, Matt Collins. Uh, we are back. We are starting off horribly. It can only go up from here. Uh, Jake, how are you when you are not insulting everybody's daughters? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm tired. I'm ready for the baseball season to come to a close. Um, regular and season. Yeah, the, the regular season. I always love me some postseason baseball, but um, I'm, I'm ready to uh, close the book on this weird one. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched that it's getting cold out. I'm currently wearing flannel pajama pants, which is always a good time. First time I've put these on all year. Feels good. There's nothing better than fall clothes. This is, this is true. This is yeah. very true. Uh, but there are still some Red Sox stuff to talk about. A little bit of news to get to. I think the biggest piece of news since the last time we talked was... Uh, the Red Sox found out, or we found out, who the Red Sox are getting back from the Rockies for Kevin Pillar. Uh, they got Jacob Wallace. He is a right-handed reliever. Uh, got drafted out of UConn in 2019. He is from Methuen, which is right next to Haverhill, which is right where I grew up. So some Merrimack Valley love there. Um, yeah, he was 
he was kind of seen as 2019's Durbin Feltman in that he was a pure lever with big fastball slider combo that people generally thought was going to move very quickly through the system. He looked good in uh, short season ball in his pro debut. Obviously didn't get a chance to pitch this year, so we don't know. Um, we don't really have the same data that we had on Feltman when Feltman kind of flamed out a little bit in double-A in his first full season. But uh, one interesting thing about Wallace is that he's been developing a changeup since he got drafted. So he was just a fastball slider guy, but developing a changeup, which kind of leads people to think that they might make him into a starter. Do you think that's the road they're going to go? Well, I don't know. Um, I think they'll try it because um, why not? Uh, at his age, I mean, he's only 21, and you know, like you said, recent draftee in 2019. Um, reading the scouting report from Fangraphs says Wallace has a starters mix, a mid 90s heat, and uh, talks about some of his his offerings. But then it says that you know, likely his arm action has him projected in relief. So, I mean, I I think. It's likely he ends up in relief, but I think they should, and it would behoove them to try him as a starter for you know as long as uh, as long as you think that there's a possibility because there's just no starters in this uh, system, not a lot. I'm interested that they say he has a starters mix. Yeah, me too. I don't know that that's. I don't know that I agree with that. From what from what I understand, the changeup. I'm looking at his Fangraphs page right now. They have his changeup as a 50 feature, 55. They have that as his best pitch. That doesn't seem accurate to me. I mean, I'm not gonna pretend I know more than Eric Langenhagen, who um, <laughs> I think is the best national uh, prospect guy out there. But I, from what I understand, he's a fastball slider guy. Um, so unless I'm totally crossing wires here. I'm all for keeping him as a reliever and just shooting him through the system. Um, I don't really... The guy like this, especially with his arm action, he throws strange. Um, I just want... I want to get him up as quickly as possible. And the stuff, I mean, I've seen... I only go off video, and most of it that I've seen is from college, so it's not super telling. But I would... I, I love me a relief prospect. It is a strange <laughs> thing to love, but I love a guy that could just shoot through the minors. And we I mean, saw it with Garrett uh, Crochet, who is a starter prospect that the White Sox have him relieving right now. Um, I just kind of love that profile. I would like to see him shoot through and do what Felton couldn't. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, you know, to each his own there. Um, I, I think if the team were closer to contending right now, the Red Sox, if they were closer to contending, I'd be more all about that because i'm all for cheap bullpen construction but you know while the red sox are still trying to figure out where they actually are as an organization um this year and next probably uh you know i i have no no uh issues with seeing how good that change up can actually be the report from 2019 had is a 45 current grade uh, 50 future grade so if that ticked up a half grade um you know that is that is very interesting and you know why not while you're in this transitional period uh, let him do it but you know i definitely understand uh just getting a guy who can contribute in the bullpen up right away because the bullpen arms we have watched this year have been for the most part garbage and uh the ones we gave to the phillies are even worse so um oh man how about that oh that trade looks Heath right 
I I thought we saw bad Heath Henry. What Heath Henry has been doing with the Phillies, I think I think they just shut him down for the year, didn't they? Yeah, he's on the IL right now. Yeah, man, that is brutal. And Workman has one of the highest hard hit rates in the entire league. I don't understand what happened there. Poor Phillies fans. It's like fifty percent. It's it's absurd. That's crazy. (laughs) I don't understand that, but yeah. Speaking of uh, the bad relievers, um, I don't think either of us have anything to say about this, but. Robert Stuck was optioned today. I have a feeling this will be the last we see of Robert Stuck in a Red Sox uniform. Happy trails. Yeah, he was optioned to make room for uh, Nick Pavetta. We are recording this uh, before Tuesday's game, so uh, we have no idea what Nick Pavetta looked like. I'm going to guess. I'm not going to guess. That's just setting me up to look stupid. Um. But yeah, Nick Pavetta is starting today. When you're listening to this, you know how he did, but we don't know how he did, so that's why we're not talking about Nick Pavetta. Um, another bit of news that came out on Tuesday from Jeff Passan of ESPN. He's reporting that most likely the 2021 draft order is going to be based solely on the 2020 record. Uh, there had been some speculation for a little while that they were going to either use some sort of lottery system or some sort of combination of 2019 and 2020. Um to determine the draft order because of the weird shortened season, but Passon is reporting it's probably going to be based solely on 2020. Baseball America had reported the same a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is obviously good news for the Red Sox, but they've actually been playing a little bit better lately, um, and they are now out of the top two. It seems like that's where you would want to be with the two Vanderbilt guys, uh, Kumar Rocker and uh, Jack Later. His first name's Jack, right? Yep. Jack Later. Those are the two top prospects right now. Uh, right now, the Red Sox are in the third spot. They are tied uh, in record with Arizona. Uh, everything I've seen says that they have the tiebreaker. I have no idea what the tiebreaker is, to be honest with you. It I seems do. seems like they have it. What is it? Uh, the tiebreaker is 2020 record. 2019 record? 20, 2019 record, yes. Yeah, so the Arizona was one game better than the Red Sox in 2019. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, there's still weeks ago. So, yeah, right now they're tied with Arizona. There are a couple games uh, up or down, depending on how you look on it. Want to look at it uh, on Kansas City? Uh, Angels are right there. It seems like the Red Sox are at least going to be like top five, top six. Uh, right now, they are a game, a game uh, away from Texas, who is in the two spot. Um, I think all of this hand wringing about being in the top two is a little overdone. Um, it just seems like something weird like somebody's gonna pop up i if they're in the top three i don't really think it's gonna be that big a deal no i don't honestly even if they fall to like five yeah i mean i'm not worried at all because there are really really ridiculously good players at the top of this draft i've already been reading a bunch of draft preview stuff and it wouldn't actually shock me if one of the position guys uh goes ahead of either of those two pitchers that we were talking about and the Red Sox end up with one of those arms anyways. I mean, the the draft is wonky. We've seen people do crazy stuff trying to go under slot deals to their first guys so they can have, you know, better picks in the later rounds. And and being that the draft is likely to be 20 rounds next year, um, we could see, you know, even more playing with, with money at the top and also, Texas is just an idiotic organization, so who knows what the hell they're going to do. Wow. 
Shots fired at the Texas Rangers. Um, I, don't really any, I don't really have any counter to that. One interesting thing, um, the prospect guys at Baseball Perspectives have been talking about this a little bit lately, uh, more with regard to the Mets, but um, I think it's something interesting to consider for the Red Sox. I don't think it would ever actually happen, but they've been talking about this for a few years where a team at some point needs to just blow through um, the spending limit and just go buck wild and get um, a bunch of top prospects and basically forfeit the draft for the next year. Um, and this year is a particularly compelling year to do that because players have the players are going to have more leverage than ever um, because of the extra year of eligibility given out by the NCAA. Um, so there's going to be more draft-eligible sophomores. There's just going to be more talent there that you might be able to squeeze out of later picks. Like I said, I don't think anybody would do it, but I think it's a very interesting strategy for a team like the Red Sox where you could be like, even if you fell to like number six, tell Kumar Rocker, yeah, we're going to give you like a ridiculous signing bonus and then get like a bunch of other guys in like the 10 to 30 range with your next like five picks or whatever. Um, I just, it's weird that nobody would do that. Plus with the CBA coming up, um, these rules are going to be changing. This loophole might go away. This might be the last time to use it. The penalties might change. Um, so, like I said, I don't think anybody's going to do it, but it's something I'm very interested in. Yeah, I'm I'm fully in support of uh, any anything that gives uh, more money to uh, top prospects, especially ones that could potentially come to the Red Sox. So, yeah. Kumar Rocker was on. Um, the Suspicious Barbecue Guys podcast. I listened to that interview. Uh, he's a he seems like a very, very cool guy and very good head on his shoulders. So I would not be upset if the Red Sox ended up with him. But obviously, long way to go. And um, college baseball is going to be weird next year. I don't even feel good about bringing this up, but injuries are going to be something to watch. Uh, these guys not really being able to play for a year. So um, I get the appeal of rooting for draft position right now because there's no there's nothing else to root for with this Red Sox team but I really wouldn't get too hung up on it yeah and this is all part of Major League Baseball's strategy to basically have college baseball replace uh, all the leagues that could potentially be disappearing all of those short season ball leagues which is not going to work but yeah yeah, I mean, I think that what will end up happening is junior colleges will benefit tremendously uh, from this, and they're already going to have stacked teams next year. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting, and I, I do think college baseball will see some benefit of it. And I also think that's a really cool idea, and it made sense to do the draft uh, right after the College World Series and to do it in um, Omaha seems, seems pretty cool it's to kind of tie those together. It's also during the All-Star break now, which is probably a better idea. Um, I still don't think the MLB draft is ever going to be an event, but um, I do think it is a good idea. Well, it is idiotic to have your draft, like... During the college was, yeah, it, it makes it, no sense. It, in the, it's just stupid. Like, where they've had it, no other league draw, doesn't draw attention to their draft. Everybody else has it in the offseason. For them to have it when they have it is just, like, it's weird. They're... You're making it a non-event. There is a reason. For, I forget the reason. I've heard the reason, and it was compelling enough that I didn't like walk away from it. Um, when I heard it, I forget what it was. But there is a reason for it being in the season. Um, but I don't ever see college baseball being popular enough where people are going to care about the MLB draft. Not around here. 
I don't think anywhere. I, don't, yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I'm New England biased, so. I... Yeah, I mean, all we have is BC and Yukon, so. And UMass, oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> um, Congrats on uh, Kale McCarr, by the way. Yeah, see, there you go. And their football yeah, season is inexplicably starting back up, which literally nobody wants, but yeah, UMass <laughs> is playing football this fall for some for some reason. Uh, yeah. I know everybody wants to hear about UMass football. We're going to move on. Uh, the Red Sox also announced today that they're going to have a 60-man group of prospects going down to Fort Myers in October for some instructionals. Um I haven't heard whether or not they're definitely going to be playing other teams. Uh, that's something teams have generally gone away from the last few years in instructionals is playing against other teams. But Arizona's doing like a big kind of league with all their teams. I think it's a little easier there because Arizona spring training is so condensed. Everybody's so close to each other. It's a little more sprawled out in Florida. But I would assume the Red Sox are probably going to be setting up some games with some other teams, definitely like the Twins because they're in Fort Myers and some other local teams, but uh, no official word on that. But there are going to be some, there's going to be some prospect stuff going on, which is nice because other than the few guys that have been on the player pool, we haven't really gotten to hear much about progress made by some of the prospects who haven't been in Pawtucket. So is there, are there any names in particular that you're excited to maybe hear some updates about? I don't know how much we would actually hear, but just potential yeah I, I think a lot of the guys that i uh followed at lowell last year are really the ones that i've been most curious about like Gilberto jimenez and uh chris murphy and ryan Zephyrjohn and you know a lot of those types of guys uh lowell was such an interesting level i'm probably forgetting some names off the top of my head um who's that other younger pitcher oh. no the uh it's like 18 years old uh through incredibly well well last year blanking on his name right now but um yeah i'm, I'm really interested to see how they kept the guy with shape. the dash name yeah um padron padron artiles yeah that's that's what i'm thinking of um you snail patron artiles that's it um yeah so I, i'm just curious to see how they kept in shape um and you know what they look like and also the other guy i've been wanting to see for a while who i've never seen is eduardo lopez who's the j2 pick from like a couple years ago yeah eduardo lopez is gonna be an interesting one i'm interested definitely interested to see if he goes i guess he probably would 60 guys maybe there's well, I'm looking at projected rosters on Sox prospects. This is the first time I've seen the Worcester logo there. Totally threw me off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess Eduardo Lopez will probably be there. Um, I'm interested in Jimenez. I'm interested to hear the progress he has made um, potentially with switch hitting, um, how he's looking there. Um, I'm interested in Nick York. Nick York has been in mm. Pawtucket, and he has been raking for a couple days off Red Sox pitching, so... Uh, my Nick York radar is pretty high right now. Um, interested in Thad Ward. I still think it's strange that he never got added to the player pool. I know that there's limited resources. I'm not really reading into that really at all, but um, he was a guy that I was super high on before the world shut down. So um, <laughs> I think those are the, probably the main guys that I'm interested in off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing more Nick York, too. Um, the at-bats the that I get to see online 
looked pretty interesting. So yeah, especially against. I mean, this, this isn't real baseball. Let's be clear, but I mean, these are legitimate pitchers. Even guys that we see that come up to the majors and suck, they're a billion times better than anybody Nick York has ever seen. Yeah, and it'll also be uh, interesting to see more of Jake Groom too. Um, he's somebody who Keith Law a couple days ago still is just dead sure is going to be a starter, um, which nobody around here is sure of that. But I think there's plenty of people still in love with the stuff there that that remains intriguing. I'm as high on Jay Groom right now as I have been in probably three years. Wow. Wow. What makes you so high right now on him? Everything that's come out on him has just been so positive. Um, The stuff just seems like it's totally there. And my only concern with him really is injury. And I definitely not going to sweep that concern out of the under the rug because it's been very real in his career but also i like it's just it's not something i can predict so it's not something i'm going to hold against him very much but the stuff i don't really i don't really see him as being a reliever um i think he's either gonna get hurt too much to pitch at all or he's gonna be a starter yeah, i think that's where he's most worthwhile for sure so i fully support that um and I think that we're going to see him maybe as soon as next year because he has to be added to Rule 5. So, I mean, yeah, this I, is going to be a big offseason. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be added. He doesn't have to get – I mean, guys get added and not, not called up that year um, fairly frequently. Um, so I, I'm super interested to see what they do with him next year. But we have – all winter to talk about that um and then the other thing i want to mention you brought this up before we started recording uh chris hatfield our friend over at Sox prospects uh made this little comparison uh for, between bobby dahlbeck's first 17 games and michael chavis's first 17 so dahlbeck slash 262 328 639 chavis 293 423 638 dahlbeck has seven homers chavis had six dahlbeck had Five walks, 32 strikeouts. Uh, Chavis had 12 walks, 19 strikeouts. Their plate appearances were only four apart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just an interesting comparison. And um, not to tell people not to get excited about one of the few things to, few exciting things to happen this season, but just something to consider. A, if you're super high on Bobby Dahlbeck, maybe you need to calm down. But also, I think the flip side of that is if you're low on Michael Chavis, maybe remember how good he was. And, I mean, if you're that excited about Bobby Dalbeck, maybe you should be a little more excited about Michael Chavis because we've seen that he could be even better than Dalbeck has been right now. Or you could take the uh, cup half empty look. Well, and I said that be first. Not excited but, by both. Well, I said that first, but I said that, but I don't want to tell people to not be excited about the one exciting thing that happened. This season, so I know I'm just I'm just uh, no, that's I'm, definitely the more reasonable stance to take for sure. I'm very worried about the amount of strikeouts. Like I'm all for some uh, three true outcomes baseball, but you know sometimes it just gets ridiculous. Yeah, he. I mean, I, I obviously he cannot. He's striking out like I don't know. I don't have his exact rate in front of me. It was last time I looked, it was like forty six percent or something like that. Obviously that can't happen. But if he can get it down to like thirty two, I think he can be workable. And. It's been 71 plate appearances. The thing I will say about the difference between him and Chavis, and I've always been one of the higher guys on Chavis, but Dahlbeck doesn't 
I've been looking for a clear hole in his swing. I think he has a little bit of trouble with stuff in on his hands, but I don't see anything as glaring as Chavis with the fastballs, high fastballs. Completely agree. That has been something that I've been saying for a while about Dahlbeck is like, I think his flaws are more fixable. Um, the the whole thing that the, his version of of Chavis's thing is flailing it outside breakers, um, specifically like sliders outside the zone. Remember when Xander was dealing with slideritis? Bogarts and Jackie Bradley goes through that every year, and then yeah. he seems to break himself out of it. Yeah, so so if he can rein that in a little bit, I think he has better coverage uh, than than Chavis does. Yeah, I think I don't think there's any question that Dalbeck is a safer profile than Chavis. Um, I think they're closer than other people think, but I've always been high on Chavis to the point of at this point I might just be being stubborn about it. Is he your hitter version of Matt Barnes? No, because Matt Barnes is good. <laughs> but I, I um, or he has been good. He's not good right now. <laughs> Three blown saves uh, since he take o- took over his closer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not defending anything with Matt Barnes in 2020. Yeah, I don't really have any good things to say about him this year. Uh, so we're gonna go into a buy or sell portion of the program, which I believe is from around the horn. Correct. Yes. Okay, so um, I, I have points on around the horn. Do you know that? I, I do know that about you. That Tony is, uh... Reale called my name and gave me points. So <laughs> That's I, amazing. I have two points on Around the Horn that I'm banking <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um, so, yeah, this is my little claim to fame. But, yeah, so we're going to do uh, – I have a few scenarios that I'm going to throw out to Jake. Uh, he's going to pick one, and then I am going to tell him why he's wrong. Uh, whether I believe it or not, I'm going to try and make the case for the other side of each of these scenarios. So uh, we'll get started with a pitching one. Either Tanner Houck or Nick Pavetta is in the opening day rotation 2021. Uh, Tanner Houck is in the opening day rotation for 2021 because we both have eyes and we've seen uh, him pitch. And if you are listening to this, uh Nick Pavetta will already have been lifted in the second inning and have given up uh, five so, runs. So you did what I didn't want to do. <laughs> You're opening yourself up to something very dangerous. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> all right. So the answer, So you said yes. So I got to go no. I think the case is pretty obvious that they just fill. So they need to fill two spots if – Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be healthy to start the year. Obviously, that's a big if. Uh, Ron Renneke expressed a little bit of optimism today. I don't really know how anybody can say anything with any real confidence to Rodriguez. But the case against Hauk or Pavetta being in the rotation would be that they have Rodriguez, Evaldi, Perez, and they trade for somebody, they sign for somebody, some combination of that to fill two spots. And everybody stays healthy through spring training. And even if they don't, they want to keep Hauk down to keep working on that splitter because for as good as Hauk has been, he still is not throwing the splitter. He's thrown nine of them. I still can only really remember one that was any good. So um, this one I'm not positive, I believe, but I think I think I would put it at if everybody is health, if there's no injuries before opening day for spring training, which obviously is a big if, I don't think that either of them would be penciled into a top five spot. Yeah, I can totally see that. 
with Pavetta because I think they want to see what Pavetta. I'm not even considering. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, when I uh, when we did our lineups uh, last time we were on this podcast, I had Pavetta in my top you did five. I, I think I groaned. Yeah, I mean, I hate it a lot. I, I hate everything <laughs> about it. But like, I, I could totally see Hulk being down working on stuff. I yeah. don't think it's the right move, but I could see it. Yeah, no, I could definitely see it too. And like I said, I'm making my case whether I believe it or not. But um, I just, I feel like Pavetta is going to just biff it in these two starts. And so if that's what happens, then I can't imagine. But also, I can't imagine they're really going to make any decisions based on these two outings anyways i think i'm mainly just hoping that he's a reliever next year and they tell you don't like it then like what do you like what else what's your other option here but is it going to be a reliever that throws only breaking balls i i think his fastball can work he's just gonna use it correctly he's it has been throw. so bad though. i know but he tries to throw it low in the zone and it's like dude what are you doing yeah. if he throws that up consistently which is not i mean that's not as easy as it sounds, but if he can do so, um, he that fastball with the curveball can work. But listen, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Nick Pavetta is any good. No, I, I I do think that you have a good point though about the you know the the throwing up in the zone being much more easier uh, said than done because I was reading an article about a a pitcher. I think it was a Baseball America article in the pitcher was talking about you know how his idea of up in the zone was like up at like the nipples on a hitter you know like high high i think that's the first time anybody's ever said nipples on the spot (laughs) i think it is um but you know that's not a competitive pitch is is what he was saying but people's idea of what is high in the zone versus you know what's high in the zone but still a competitive pitch are two different things and I, i i just don't think that it's that easy to train yourself to be comfortable throwing something that you think might be up in the zone and about to get cleaned out. Yeah, well, the, yeah, that's the other part. Is if, you're, if you miss vertically, you're probably going to miss a few inches down more often than you're going to miss a few inches up. And when you're trying to throw at the top of the zone or above the zone and you miss a few inches down, that pitch is going to hit 500 feet. And yeah. So there's a big mental hurdle to get over and have that confidence to be able to throw in that area. Yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those swings where it looks like you have to you know, rewind your broadcast to see if the guy even connected because it just like it's all just one yeah. motion. You know, unless unless it's Michael James. <laughs> then you yep. just throw it. All right, number two, uh, JD Martinez, a qualifies for the panic title, and B has a WRC plus over one fifteen. I will take. Uh, I'll go yes qualifies for the batting title and no WRC plus under 115 wow because um, so when we ended the year last year I remember being on and wrapping up the season with you on a podcast and we were talking about JD Martinez's struggles against righties. And then when we had the round table last week, I was looking into his struggles against righties this year and they've become even more pronounced. And it's not just that he struggled tremendously against the fastball uh, this year. So I'm much more concerned because this righty trend has been two years in a row 
And if he can't hit the fastball effectively, which is the thing that he was best at um, when he had his best years, um, that's going to be... I, I just don't know where we go from there. You know, that's a tremendously flawed player at that point. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so with the fastball, he has been based on, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but I was looking this up and I wrote an article about him last week. Um, He has been, by the expected metrics on baseball savant, he's been pretty significantly unlucky uh, against fastballs compared to the quality of contact. Um, So... I think the case for Martinez, for this being a throwaway season for Martinez, is A, the video, which it drives me nuts that this would be so important for him, but there's a very good chance it is that important for him. B, um, this season and the weirdness going on in the world, I think, can affect anybody, and I think that could be affecting him. And also, the team being so bad, um, I think sometimes it can be tough to play on a team so bad, especially for a guy like J.D. Martinez who came here specifically to win. And, um, I mean, that's the appeal of signing such a big contract in Boston and having to go through this kind of season with no fans in the crowd. And especially for a DH, I feel like a DH might get affected by that more than anybody else because they have so few opportunities to do anything in a game. You might need that extra oomph to get um, psyched up. I'm actually surprised that the part that you took was the playing time. So I think that's the biggest concern of me, just because he's getting old. Um, yeah. But I can see him bouncing back. I mean, before the season, he hadn't been below 136 since 2013. 115. I almost made that 125, too. Yeah, I wouldn't have blamed you if you did. Um, I either think it's going to work and he's going to be above 125, or I think it's not going to work, and he's going to be right around, like, 80 to 100. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it could be really bad. Um, I forget who it was over at Fantrax, but they studied aging curves, and typically when a, when a hitter goes the direction that J.D. Martinez has gone at this age, rebounds are just really few and far between. So I'm not saying he can't do it because – his profile was one when he signed that it, it looked pretty safe. You know, we were like, hey, this is a guy who can age well, and when he can't play in the field, he'll just be full-time DH all the time, and it'll be great. But maybe he's not that, and maybe the bat speed really did start to fade. Yeah, I think it's valid. Um, 
I, 115 is a tough over-under for me, if I'm being honest, but um, I can talk myself into him coming back. Uh, I hope right. you're right. He's I, a professional. Well, they're all professionals. That's, a, that's one of those phrases I've never really understood. Um, but anyways, uh, number three. So the first thing the Red Sox are probably going to do this offseason is hire a new manager. I think we both agree that Renicky is not coming back, right? Thank God. I hope. I don't even He's dislike Renicky. I I thought that was the case before the season even started. Obviously, nothing that has happened this season would reverse that. But feelings about Renicky aside, uh, will the new manager be somebody who has managed in the majors before? Yes, it'll be Alex Cora. I figured. I almost said it was going to be Alex Cora. So here's the thing. It's not like I hate Renicky, but Renicky was not good at this job. Um, he was. I think the best praise you could give him is that he didn't hurt the Red Sox and that they would have been this bad anyhow, but he's just not the right guy for this job. He just didn't seem engaged, and we needed a more energetic guy for for this clubhouse. He was fine for this year, um, and you know I wish Renicky well and in, in Naren and in that crew, but we need the energy that a guy like Cora brings to the clubhouse, and it's a big difference, I think. So I don't think Cora's coming back. Um, I've been pretty steadfast on that. Um, I think it's strange that people think it's so likely, and I'm starting to think I'm wrong about it, but I just I can't imagine them bringing him back. Um, but I, I think if they do bring him back, Renicky is staying too. Um, I think he would stay on his bench coach. But I think they're going to get just get a new guy. Um, I forget the name of the race. Bench coach, I think that would make a lot of sense given his connections with Bloom. I think they're going to find somebody who can work with Bloom really well, who kind of works on the same wavelength. And I think it's going to be a guy that is like Alex Cora, but isn't Alex Cora, and somebody who does not have experience. Interesting. Uh, experience as a manager. In the majors, right. yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I've been seeing the ridiculous Jason Veritek stuff going around again. You don't I don't think, think that's, that's impossible. Really? Okay. So you're I not would, one of those that discounts it. So I, I kind of think it's a jump. I would not bet on it, but I wouldn't like fall out of my chair if it happened. Mostly because I, I've been sitting for 29 years and I can... <laughs> I'd be surprised if Bloom went that direction. Let, let me just say, like, if it was Dombo, I'd be like, yeah, I see it. But I just don't see Bloom doing that. I don't know. I don't know that that would make a difference. I, I think if Veritek, I mean Veritek's been there all year, and Bloom's been there all year, so maybe they made an impression Bloom, on yeah. him. I could. I don't know why that would be out of the question. Like I said, I'm not. I would put the chances definitely at less than fifty percent. I'm not expecting it to happen. I don't think he's the favorite for the job or anything. But I, I mean, I think he's well-respected enough that it's a possibility. The oh, ridiculous I, one was Pedroia. No, let's throw it out. I forget who threw that yeah. one out there, but that was, that was the one that almost made me fall out of my chair. I guess I, I should clarify. I don't think it's ridiculous that Veritek would be a manager. I think former catchers being a manager is very smart, and I think that Veritek was one of the best at his craft, so I'm sure he'd be a good manager. I just think that people, when they talk about Veritek, they talk about it like it's a shoe-in just because he played here for so long. Oh, I agree with that. And it just kind of like, it, it annoys me a little bit. Um, 
But Vertek, I don't know if you saw a picture of him. He's, he's looking slim these days. He's uh, he's working out real hard. So, um, you know, he's getting ready for that 162 grind. But let me ask you this, Matt. Who do you think is more likely, if you had to put a chance on it, uh, Veritek as the next manager or Cora? Oh, that's good. I think they're pretty close. I would say Veritek. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I would go uh, Cora. I think I'm. I think I might be wrong, but I just I don't know. I I just cannot see it. That's fair. I couldn't see it either, and now I've talked myself into it. Especially when the punishment came down, I started to think that there was a real possibility. Like when when all the excuses were made about how most of the transgressions took place in Houston, uh, I just I saw the excuse being built. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I don't really want him to come back, to be honest. And I like Alex Cora. Um, I guess he did follow me on Twitter for a little while. I don't know if he still does. So if you're listening to this, Alex, I'm sorry, but um, I just it just I don't really want a connection to that 2017 Astros team. I just don't. Yeah. What about that 2018 Sox team, though? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something that we fairly say wasn't as bad as the Astros, but I mean, we got to acknowledge that that is a thing that happened. <laughs> And so he was part of that too. I just, I feel like they shouldn't go down that road again. Yeah. It's, it's a very fair uh, criticism of the idea of that happening. All right, let's move on from that. Um, going to the next one. Uh, the Red Sox highest paid free agent this winter is a pitcher. False. I don't think that being that I don't believe that they know what they have in so many of their arms that they are going to invest in another pitcher. And I know that that statement sounds antithetical, but I think they want to see what sale looks like. They want to see whether or not Erod can come back at all. They want to see how Houck's pitch develops. Um, And I think they will use Eovaldi and Perez. Um, I don't think they'll try and trade those guys. I think they're going to try and piece it together with smaller veteran moves before they decide to go in on somebody who signals you're competing, like a Trevor Bauer. Um, I don't think that they enter that type of a market, and I do think that they sign somebody in the field who is important. Uh, so like I, I, don't, I don't even have to pretend on this one. I do disagree. Um, I won't go too deep into it. We kind of went over this a couple weeks ago. We did. Uh, we tried to project uh, 2021. Was that last week or two weeks ago? I don't know. It was last week. It just last feels week. like forever ago. Jeez. So a lot of, if you want to hear more about that, you didn't listen to last week's episode. Uh, we did talk about that. My basic stance was that they aren't really going to spend big on any one player, but they're going to spend big in total relative to the rest of the league on just a bunch of guys. And I had Marcus Stroman. As their top pitcher, and I think they're going to sign somebody from like that B tier of pitchers, and I think that's going to be their biggest move. Um, that wouldn't be a very big signing, probably. You, it would or wouldn't? Would not. Yeah, it would be, it would be like a mid tier. Yeah, and I don't know that there's going to be a mid tier this winter, but we shall see. Uh, Michael Chavis. Let's go back on the Michael Chavis conversation. He stays with the Red Sox through this, the winter and gets 400 plate appearances next year. False to both. I think the Red Sox will find somebody interested in Chavis. You can't have that many guys that strike out that much and 
therefore he does not get 400 plate appearances. So I think... I... I don't think he's going to get traded. Um, obviously, if I took the other side, but I really don't think he's going to get traded just because... But I can... I mean, I can obviously see it. Um, but I think the path to 400 plate appearances is that he's building up this versatility. And if they don't sign another second baseman, um, I think the idea that Christian Arroyo can be this everyday second baseman is kind of wild to me. And I'm kind of up on Christian Arroyo relative than to where I was even like a week ago. But it still seems crazy to like pencil into that spot like Jerry Remy has been doing. <laughs> but yeah. um, so I mean, I think if they start with Arroyo, he falters. Sheamus gets that chance. An outfielder gets hurt. He gets some play appearances in left field. I think he kind of bounces around. I think that's probably the best path. But if I were to be injected with some truth serum i would probably agree that he wouldn't get to 400 yeah it's just hard to see them giving that many at bats to him this next year i mean unless he starts out hot though i mean we've seen michael chavis hot streaks and there have been more than one i mean the one that right at the start of his career was obviously the big one we had another one later in 2019 he's been a little bit hot late um just had a two home run game so i mean we've they're exhilarating they're very hard to ignore when he does get hot so he gets if he just has one of those in like the middle of April, all of a sudden, you play yourself into a nearly everyday role for three months, and you're almost all the way there. Hey, I'm rooting for the guy. I like his personality a lot, and I I would like yeah, him he's to do well. Pretty much impossible to root against, but there are obviously very real flaws. Yeah, uh, Jack and Bradley Jr. is the center fielder next season. I really want to say yes because I really like JBJ. He's one of my favorite players, but I don't think that he stays here. I think he's going to get a bigger deal with someone else, a multi-year deal, and I think he's very interested in exploring a different place to play. Uh, He's been pretty open about that, so I'd be sad to lose him, but I've had a blast watching him. He's been the most fun player to watch over the last few weeks. So I think... Like I kind of alluded to before, I don't think there's going to be a middle tier in free agency this year, so I think guys are either going to get bigger deals than we expect, or they're going to be out on the market for a long time, and I think Bradley might be on the wrong side of that coin, and he ends up on the market into late January, early February, and the Red Sox go up to come back to him and say, just come back for a year, play at the park you know, um, keep hitting the ball the other way off the monster, and you'll get your big contract next year. Um, and I think that's the path to get him back. I, If he gets a multi-year offer, then I would agree that he's gone. I'm not super confident that it's coming. But I also have no idea what this market's going to be like. I'm just sort of pessimistic about it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the Red Sox sign at least one player to an extension that buys out free agency years. Yes, Devers will sign an extension this year. I don't think anybody is and this is one that i actually believe um i don't know that teams are going to want to do that with guys that they already have control over um when the cba is so Mm. unclear so i could see extensions being kind of extinct but i could also see them being on fire and be like let's get them in while we know what the rules are and then go from there but well, that's the big thing is that the one of the biggest things the players want is less team control. So I, I it's hard for me to believe that post-2022 teams have more team control. Yeah, that's a fair point. But also the owners have won every negotiation since, like, I was 10. 
So I don't know. Just because the players want something, it's going to happen. Last year, though, or this year, I should say, did feel very different. Yeah. Than no, you're you're not wrong. Years. You're not wrong, and I very much hope that Devers. I think Verdugo is a sneaky extension candidate that nobody's really talked about. Um, mm. Just seems like, especially. Obviously, there's still ill will over the Mookie Betts deal. You can be like, hey, at least we got this guy who we, who we replaced him with and was the best player in our team, and he's locked up for seven years or whatever. I'm just throwing a number out there. I'd be all for that. Yeah. I Something to keep an eye on. I think it's I think it's Devers, uh, Vertugo, Bogarts are probably the, really the only names to watch on that front. Probably off the top of my head, right? Yeah, and I would be so happy if they locked up Bogey first. If they looked at his his situation first, I'd be very happy. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'd be happy about any of them, but yeah, Bogarts, I think, is the guy sentimentally that I would want them to keep the most. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Our favorite player, uh, Matt Barnes, is the top reliever on the roster at the start of camp. False. Uh, They will sign someone from this... uh, Pretty good crop, actually, of relievers that's going to be available uh, this offseason. And I think I'm sticking with my boy Blake Trinan as the uh, the guy they're going to sign. So I, I worded this one very carefully because I knew you would take this side. Uh, I think that at the start of camp he will be. I think that the way they're going to play the reliever market is they're just going to wait it out for the last guy standing. Um and just get these guys on a short on a cheaper deal than they would usually take so that could be a couple weeks after camp i don't think barnes will be the top reliever on opening day but i do i can see them waiting a very long time to sign somebody like a kirby Yates, who i mentioned last week's podcast or a trinan or um ken giles is a guy that i really would have liked he's not pitching next year so he's out of the conversation but um, alex colome what do you think about him not super high on colome had a great year this year, though. Yeah, I, 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 I will be honest. I haven't looked at his numbers, but um, he's, I wouldn't. He would definitely be the top reliever, but I would prefer somebody else. I think. That's fair. All right, last one. The player with the most starts at second base next season is already in the organization. Man, this is the toughest question on this list for me. I have no idea what they're doing with second base. Um, my gut tells me no. I think it's going to be outside the organization. I think they're going to sign a veteran. But I also think I'm probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that feeling very well. All right. So full disclosure, I do, do agree with you. But I had a conversation with... Um, user scarecrow in the over the monster uh comments yesterday uh, days don't mean anything to me anymore at some point recently um and his or her case i don't know your gender if you're listening sorry um their case was basically that the red Sox will believe will not want well first of all will not want to spend resources to get like a top tier guy like a dj lemayhew or even like a Tommy LaStella, who, like I said last week, I think is going to get multiple years. I think I agree with that. I think they would go with a one-year guy. My name last week was Cesar Hernandez. And uh, Scarecrow's argument on the other side was that the Red Sox would see the trio of Arroyo, Chavis, 
Munoz, throw CJ Chatham in there. Um, I mean, they have a billion of these like fringe guys that play middle infield. Um, throw any of those guys and then Jeter Downs at some point, and combined, they would probably be. You find the hot hand, they would probably be one and a half ish WAR, and that's about what you're expecting from Cesar Hernandez. So I can see that viewpoint. I don't think that would be a good idea because I feel like they've done that at that this position like three years in a row and it's literally never worked out it always sounds so good in theory and that you find somebody eventually but usually when you're playing that game it takes like three months to find somebody and you've already dug yourself in a hole um, but I could see that thought process going especially if they wanted to spend big on the pitching side yeah I agree and that exact reasoning is why I think I'm probably wrong um this second base situation is starting to remind me a whole hell of a lot of the post Nomar Odyssey before it's we got totally Zander. the same thing. It is driving yeah. me banana pants. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just sucks. sign like that's why I like Cesar Hernandez because he's not the upside is just not there. But man, he go he plays 160 games every year. He hits for like a 90 to 95 WRC plus, and he plays above average defense at second base. I would kill for that production. Just like give me something solid. I want Astrubal so bad. Yeah, it's just somebody like that. I just like I said, the idea is sound in theory that you're gonna find somebody and eventually they'll stick. But it could, like I said, it could take until July when you find that hot hand, and then you've pissed away half the season. And also, you know, I think it has to be some sort of a, a comfort level, too, and a mental burden off of a guy like Xander Bogarts, you know, having a different double play partner, like, every couple weeks, too. There's, there's definitely a level of trust that develops there, and team chemistry-wise, having guys in defined roles really does uh, pay dividends uh, often, so... I think that aspect of it is underrated in, in team building. Just because you can equal their war doesn't mean, you know, the rest of the team will benefit in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. All right. So that was that segment. Uh, we got a few questions before we finish things out. Uh, Jackson Posey asks, after reaching base at over an 83% clip at the alternate site, and that is actually a true stat, uh, is Nick York worth more than the collective GDP of New York City? Uh, I would guess that the collective GDP of New York City is uh, very high, like trillions. So I would say trillion. I looked it up. Oh, there we go. Um, uh, yeah, is he is not worth that much. Uh, and also, hot take, uh, not a hot take, New York City such a better city than Boston. Uh, I'm very sorry uh, that I'm saying this on this podcast, but Boston is, uh, you know, I, it's uh, underwhelming at times. Is, I, I love the Red Sox. But, insanely uh, unnecessary shot at Boston. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, necessarily disagree that New York City is better I've never lived in either I would hate to live in either city to be honest with you that does not sound appealing to me but uh, I very much like visiting Boston I very much like visiting New York City um, but that was just a wildly unnecessary shot at the city of Boston <laughs> I would have I just, you know, from the top rope 
This is you like know what? This, I hate the traffic, man. I hate it. And oh, driving the, the in city Boston layout is, is insane. This driving. Oh well, yeah, that's also true. Driving in New York City is not very fun either. Well, let me just tell you. I, I mean, I lived in New, in uh, D.C. for seven years, and I've lived in Massachusetts for the rest of my entire life, and been to Boston a billion times. And I knew D.C. better as a city layout after like three weeks of living there than I do Boston after going there a million times because none of the streets make any sense. It's not intuitive. Well, you have to like memorize it. I hate it. I, I don't know. This is this is a why I did not see this question taking this turn. Um, <laughs> to answer the question though, Nick York is worth. Uh, more than the collective GDP of New York City because you cannot put a dollar amount on the worth of a human being. Oh, man. That's really nice. Let's not treat uh, our fellow human beings as dollar figures. We Uh, know life is cheap in this country. (laughs) Uh, Also, GDP is a bullshit stuff. Vincent Frederick says, (laughs) Sail, Erod, Avaldi, Hauk, Perez for 2021 rotation, or would you chase a free agent pitcher? If yes, who? I feel like that should be home but uh yes i agree with your rotation fully vincent and uh the only thing i would do there is i will flip perez to be the three and bump Yavaldi and hauk down to the four and five spot oh, so i it's insane not to go after a free agent pitcher sale is not going to be ready <laughs> no he won't at least a ready. couple of months um hauk has been good for a few stars. Perez, the peripherals like, still scare me. Rodriguez, we have no idea what he's going to be able to do. The idea of not getting a new legitimate starting pitcher, either via free agency or uh, trade, is insane to me. It's Nick Pavetta, man. That's who's going to be in sales spot for those few months. Get used to it. I am going to turn into the Joker next year. Um, <laughs> also, not really a question, but I'm going to turn it into one. Uh, Matt Corey replied to my call for questions with a gif of pudding. What was the last time you ate pudding? Uh, it's been some time, and not by choice, because I really enjoy pudding. Yeah, why don't we eat more pudding? I don't know. There was a there was a little while where my wife was buying like those single-serving snack oh, packs. So puddings. good. It was amazing, and then it just stopped happening. But uh, I really wish it would start again. When I was a youngin, when I used to go to CCD, uh, we used to do CCD every other Sunday. Um, And it was at night. And so when I got home, my mom would always have uh, this very basic, like, not, it's, she called it icebox cake. There are fancy icebox cakes. This is not a fancy icebox cake. But it was just chocolate pudding. A layer of chocolate pudding, a layer of graham cracker, a layer of vanilla pudding, and then another layer of graham cracker, and you just throw it in the mm. fridge for like 24 hours and eat it. And man, that was like the best. We gotta eat more pudding as a society. I think we need to... Somebody need. I don't know who's in charge of desserts, but pudding's gotta be higher <laughs> up there, man. Pudding is so good. It is real good. Uh, what's your What's your ranking of, you know, chocolate, vanilla, tapioca? I mean, where are you at with Tapioca, the, with the... I... Maybe when I'm like 75, I'll go tapioca. <laughs> Although there's a um, there's a um, there's a place that sells um, like smoothies with little tapioca balls on the bottom that are pretty good. Mm. Although I usually get the mango stars, but uh, I always liked the um, the ones that were like 
chocolate with the vanilla in the middle, and then I yep. like, would mix it up and turn it into like that light brown. That's the move right there. Yeah, that was good. I think that's the takeaway from this podcast for everybody listening. We gotta figure out a way to get pudding back into the mainstream. Not enough pudding in our lives. Yeah, and I apologize ahead of time for assaulting Boston. So. Yeah, that was unforgivable. <laughs> um, I've said I've said many times in the past. I don't know, like Fenway. I feel like saying you just don't like the entire city of Boston. Is no, I don't like the layout. I don't like the layout. Uh, I, I love Fenway. I don't think we need to have you double down on this take. I think we need to right. get out before you insult another giant population of people. First, it was daughters. Now it's the entire city of Boston. It was uh, not daughters. That was a mishearing, and I'm going to go have a pudding, and I'm not sharing. Uh, do you really have pudding? Oh, I kind of weird. Damn. All right. <laughs> let's get out of here. Uh, so I am Matt. That is Jake. You can follow me at Over the Monster on Twitter. Jake is at Dev Jake. You can read our writing at OverTheMonster.com. Uh, off-season stuff will be starting up in full swing probably not next week but the week after that we'll have some stuff next week but not full off season mode until the week after that um, rate, review, subscribe all that stuff that people say at the end of every episode did I miss anything? no that's it All right, have some pudding <laughs>